Welcome to Our International Story, a podcast about international students. In this show, we will know more about struggles, achievements, and journey of inspiring international students from their home country to living and studying overseas. I'm your host, Freya, and this podcast also portrays my journey as an international student. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Our International Story. Today, we're joined by Devendra Singh. Um, Dave is a graduate of the Master of Business Information Systems from a national university in Melbourne. Currently, he's the national representative for the Council of Australian Postgrad Associations, representing around half a million students across various universities in Australia. In one of his other roles, he's also the regional advisor for Victorian Multicultural Commission and currently working in startup space. So Dave wears many hats, so let's get started and hear from him. Welcome to our podcast, Dave. Thank you so much, Shriya, for inviting me to the podcast. Um, it's really amazing that you're working in this field. And um, I'm also, like, obviously uh, getting involved in the startup space. So it's really, you know, interesting to see the stories of people uh, coming from other uh, nationalities or coming from other countries and doing some awesome work here. Absolutely. And you are an inspiration yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So much. But yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so can you share your journey from, um, I stalked you a little bit and I noticed that you're from Jaipur in India. So can you share your journey from Jaipur to now leading a national organization such as Kappa in such a short span of time? Can you share a little bit about yourself? Well, I think, uh, it's like you really went far behind because generally people know me, like I'm from India. That's the end of it. They know. And even if I speak to people like I'm from Jaipur, so generally people just know about Delhi or Mumbai or then again, um, Jaipur coming from that city, really nice city. I'm in love with the city till date. And I started my sort of leadership journey, you can say from St. Davis College in Jaipur itself. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it, it just, you know, I, I kept on working uh, on the things and uh, things started falling on my head one after another. And I started taking the, to like, you know, taking the roles uh, without saying, I won't say no, but again, I was quite considerate of selecting the right side because somewhere I feel like you can't say yes to every single thing and you can't say no to every other thing. More or less, it's it was like, you know, getting the right things and saying yes to those right things. I did I really had amazing experience back in Jaipur. And from there on, uh, while I was like, you know, selecting universities where I want to study, I had a few options of going to Canada, going to uh, France, as uh, we have a little bit of our business there, and uh, Switzerland or UK, which is a good option for all the Indians or uh, Asians, yes. I would say. The third was on on the list, like third or maybe the fifth in in terms of countries uh, was Australia. But then, uh, what really uh, made me interested into Monash was uh, the number of international students at that time in Monash University. So I think. I, I was researching for Monash in 2016-17 and I got to know like Monash is having the highest number of international population within their campuses. Yep. I was like, you know, something I was like, okay, fine, I'll be able to connect with high number of nationalities and people from around the world, which obviously was the similar case with other universities, like other group of eight universities. But then they they still had like less, you can say proportion or you can say like percentage of international students within their campuses. So, yeah, coming to Monash and then obviously after coming to Monash, it was, um, I would say, a hell lot of a journey. 
altogether yeah when you said that monash has the highest international students but now due to covid it has obviously impacted how students they are coming to australia and it has had a major impact on the universities as well so uh, i had parked this question for later on but i thought that it's very timely to ask you that how it's going to impact the universities down the track and a university such as monash or any other universities who is highly dependent on international students and what impact would it have on students who are making the decisions uh, such as you did based on the international student population um that's really interesting question because um, obviously see um, until something is hitting your comfortable zone you won't get out of that zone ever so this is the i would say the right time for the universities to uh, get into the innovation and do something different from other universities or other education providers so that they can attract students now when you speak about covid or this the, the current times when you know the entire world is on the brink of financial crash it's every other university is affected not just in australia but in uk in uh, other parts of europe and canada and us as well like you know i think 5 years down the line i can somewhere see the universities the courses should be more promising they should there will be more innovation uh, i think there will be more collaborations with the with the local universities of south asian countries so that's a really interesting point which i was studying uh, i think three or four days back and there are multiple universities from europe which are trying to collaborate with the indian universities or the universities in bangladesh or the universities in nepal so that collaborative approach of collaborating with other universities and making sure that how they have presence in other geographical locations and not just confined to where they are at the moment might be a future where you can see harvard hyderabad or boston bangalore or things like that so uh, a foreign university having a local campus um i think there are us universities which have campuses in uh, singapore which have campuses in malaysia and i think there's one us university which also has a campus in australia i think in south australia if i'm not wrong so it's like it's a very feasible model it's a very profitable model from a business point of view it's a very sort of you know readily available model so obviously universities are working in all the countries so just like you know matter of having contracts and matter, matter of getting into collaborations as early as possible yeah and and um, i was not i was reading about it the other day like for example carnegie mellon which is a very reputed us based university has a campus in australia dependency on online education the cost of infrastructure in setting it up is significantly reduced if there is a reliance on um, on harnessing some of the online technologies as well their placement services as well where they you know put the people in the right kind of job right after their graduation which is not a common practice across the world i haven't i haven't seen any of the countries except i think india nepal or bangladesh and sri lanka which has any thing of that sort that you have placements open after your graduation so it's, yeah. it's a different kind of model which we follow back in india but then again coming from international perspective you get the rankings here you get the international environment here you get more exposure here and yeah when you come out you get to experiment a lot with your life you are living alone you um, sort of you know get into that environment of getting financially free as early as possible um, getting on your foot as soon as possible so these are some of the things which people look forward to and that's why international education is sort of you know very attractive option for any sort of student in there who is living in any of the countries across the world connected you you were volunteering for monash city council's uh, yeah. youth representative program i think 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I obviously knew you from then, but then again, it, it's you know part of our life here. So it's not just that uh, we are coming here and just getting into the job, but it's like we are coming here doing a job side by side, doing some volunteering work side by side, and then ending up a job. And that too is a possibility. It's not like uh, we are looking forward for that only. Uh, but I would rather suggest is you know graduate outcome doesn't only depends on whether I am having a job today or not. It's more about whether I have the right set of experience and right set of connections and skills to. even start my own business or maybe contribute to someone else's business the graduate employability of student it's not just about finding a job at the end of the day but it also transferring it to maybe running your own business or be involved in the startups so uh, what's keeping you busy these days like i know that you are currently involved in the startup space so can you tell it a little bit about it and what are some of the skills that are coming to use when you are in working in that space So coming to the startup journey, I think it all started when I I was in tenth standard. As wow, that's a long way back. Yeah, that's that's really a like really really long way back. It's not just long way back because for me it was like at that time that was just one thing I was doing. There was this English exam and I was I was about to launch the website on the very same day in my tenth because I was I don't didn't wanted to fail in my board exams, which is a big deal back in India. Yeah. Uh, then at the second side of my brain, I had this thought that I can really make it big through this startup, and that was like, I if I'm if I'm not wrong, that was something you know, uh, the top five websites in terms of movies, the top five websites in terms of softwares, free movies, free TV shows. I mean, everything was free, but we were listing or ranking the websites, um, or ranking the portals or the applications on that website. It really went well for like three months, I should say. We didn't mm-hmm. got any sort of funding. We didn't got any sort of remuneration out of that. Uh, but I did got a lot of media attention um, across India. So like a lot of things were happening, and obviously after that it was you know there's this you know I I got this insect bitten in my head that okay fine I need to have something in my in startup space. Uh, I started again in twelfth. Uh, worked that for a couple of months. uh then in second year or i think first year in first year of my college i connected with uber and i was the, their brand ambassador back in jaipur so that was an amazing experience for me i did a number of campaigns for them and that was time okay i was like okay fine i had this um now i had this experience of working with multinational corporations and i should start working on my own sort of thing and then i started with uh, one of my own websites the name was job dena which translates to giving a job and that i ran for like a year made it profitable sold it and came out like you know with some good profits as and which i was coming to australia so i have to sell it out because it was kind of indian kind of startup uh, mm-hmm. we sold it and now after coming here i started um, obviously scratching my head and getting to know people and uh, seeing what is working here and where i can put my put my head into it i got through a number of people their ideas what is working what is not working and i i started my own one with the name of dwell stays which is currently profitable so i'm working on that one and recently as you speak i've just just contacted like a few days back with one of the startups which is highly successful in india they are expanding in australia as well 
the name of the startup is MentorCart. They connect uh, the international students coming from any country. Right now, we are focusing on the people coming from India. But um, yeah, international students to connect with right set of mentors. The mentors can be from the field of like any anyone who has done really well. Need not to be an international student themselves, but they uh, they should be having that vibe of sharing their experience or their knowledge with the students and helping them out to further their career. And mm-hmm. Obviously, we are remunerating the mentors and we are having a fee model for the mentees. Um, but yeah, the, the, the launch of this startup in Australia is due in November. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Currently, I'm their brand ambassador in Australia. So that's that's a high kind of role for me. And I got I got this one thing. And then obviously, I'm working on a few other things as well at the time. Uh, so it's it's all taking a lot of time in launching yeah. things. But then again, it's just like, you know, every good thing or every best thing takes a lot of time in, in that building stage. That's right. And you're just putting your eggs in the right basket and working on it pretty much and just making sure that things fall in place and you're working towards it. I, that's the right thing. That's the most important thing, like taking the right step. Wow, I'm I'm actually blown away that you started your first startup at the age of what 15 16 when you were in 10th standard was 14, I think <laughs> okay. there was 10 standard so I don't even remember like I mean what was I mean I don't even remember I just remember buying that website and yeah then um I don't know from whose card I made the payment because I didn't had a bank account then I remember that thing and I remember posting on Facebook that I bought this website and I <laughs> posted still today they're like um obviously I mean, I'm not sure whether I've deleted that or not but people were like, you know, commenting that congratulations. And I was like, okay, fine. And then there were obviously people were like, uh, what is this? And why is this? And because obviously everyone was in 10th standard at that time. Yeah. I remember my, my, my cohort was not even on Facebook at that time. Yeah. <laughs> it was strange that I am posting on Facebook. There are few people like out of a class of 18, which I was into a particular school in Jaipur. Uh, I think three people were on Facebook at that time. So it was quite strange that, okay, fine, we are... On Facebook, but no one knows that we are operating a startup. And no one knew that what is a startup. Like, what is a startup? Yeah, exactly. And that was uh, when I came to Australia, there's this huge buzz about startup. Uh, you don't have the right resources. Like, I know that when you are in India, or um, now there are, obviously, but back in early 2000s or late 2000s, like, there, were, there weren't a lot of resources out there, or it wasn't that prominent. And you doing it at the age of 14 all by yourself. That is commendable. Like that definitely shows that you have such an amazing entrepreneurial flair, and it's great to see that you are continuing on with your passion and still translating into one work or the other. Hmm. <laughs> That's true, yeah, because it's more of like you know. I still think that I have to do a lot, like really, really a lot. It's it's like you know, it's it's a constant feeling that goes at the back of back of mind that okay, fine, this is something I've done, but yeah, again, I have to do a lot. Not just a lot, but a lot. And talking about doing a lot, I think you are doing a lot because you are the national representative for CAPA, which is the Council of Australian Postgrad Association. And you're already representing more than half a million students. So according to me, you are doing a lot. Well, that's that's like, you know, one of the amazing experiences I had in Australia. Like, mm. Not I had, but I am currently having as well. So it's like... Yeah. To a consecutive tenures of Kappa's role, um, I don't remember like anyone else had 
to Kappa's consecutive role, who was from an international background. So obviously people were there in Kappa earlier as well. But generally it was like, you know, one last year of their education. For me, it was like I got into Kappa when I was in my first year of education. So that was something um, I, w- I should say interesting for everyone else and something promising for me at that point of time. Yeah. I really have seen a growth kind of thing in myself because I connected to a lot of people while being on Kappa's role. And I mean, Kappa has provided me a little bit of stage on national level, which has helped me to further on, you know, my w- whatever I wanted to do. So uh, before I came on, I think the role was empty for a pretty much six months. Wow. And yeah. as soon as I came, there was this strong wave from of obviously international students coming to Australia. And I was like, okay, fine, this is something which I want to do. And after stepping into Monash's graduate association, I within six months, I stepped into Kappa as well. And from there on, there on, it was like, you know, regular meetings with the stakeholders from literally any state, any country, and the meeting with the ambassadors. And obviously last year was pretty much amazing in terms of engagement because I, I got to meet in person a lot of people. Um, so for those who don't know what Kappa is, like, do you mind elaborating like what it does and what impact it has on the students? Surely. So Kappa is the national peak body for all the postgraduate students across across the country. Um, Kappa represents over 450,000 students across various universities. And it's not like that every single student will be a member of Kappa. It's more of like every, not every, but the postgraduate associations in the country are members of Kappa. So it's, a mem- you know, student member or individual member based organization. It's more of like, you know, organization via organization kind of thing. Um, we do have matters relating to relating to inter- individual universities or individual associations. Uh, but then again, you know, as as we speak about that, this is the national uh, organization. So we generally have issues coming on states level or coming on national level, like the current fee hike for domestic students. Or when we speak about the international students, the fierce fake campaign in Victoria, there's international students concessions campaign in New South Wales, where Kappa is involved heavily. So it's it's more or less like, you know, all the issues which relates on state level or where there are more than one universities involved in such issues, then obviously Kappa comes forward to advocate on behalf of the universities. We do present submissions in the parliament and the Senate. We do have regular interactions with the ministers to see how we can better, you know, advocate or how we can better get something out of the state's budget or out of the country's budget for the students in particular. That's really amazing. So for postgrad students, if they want to, if they're having some issues on a, on a national level, or for example, if there is a, a thing that be, that is being introduced that impacts all the postgrad students, then Kappa is the peak body that is going to advocate for it, uh, for or against it. Right, right. That's that's perfectly correct. The only thing is like, obviously, if, if, if there's a student who is having an issue, he generally speaks to his own student association, which is the right way and right path. And yeah. then obviously, if the if their own student association, you might you are obviously aware that every university has their own student association. Yeah. Sometimes a university might have two or more student associations as well. So it's like you know their student association will see whether this is something which is just uh, bothering their students or the you know or, or the students of their own university, or is it something which is statewide, or is it something which is nationwide? 
obviously as we connected to every single association so they can it's it's totally you know open kind of environment they can they can speak on phone they can call or email they can put on social media and we have connected like this only and we do have conferences like there's a, there's this annual conference at the end of the year and then there is this special council meeting in the middle of the year where every university association is invited who is part or member of kappa and that's a time when we discuss about the ongoing or relevant issues which are bothering the students on mass level and from there on we take on okay fine this is something where we'll be working for the rest of the year or for the next year that is amazing too so so for example if any student does have any issues with that so they will obviously reach out to their student association in the first instance and then the student association if there's a collective thing they can reach out to kappa so i think it's very important for the students to be still aware of the existence of kappa and to know more about it the advocacy that you guys are doing so they can uh, look you up on a website is that correct like- that's that's perfectly correct because it's it's more of like you know um i mean last before last two or three years i think the very less students were aware about kappa at all even i got my first instance um, i think someone uh, from the my own committee at mga like manish cook graduate association they mailed me that okay fine this is a association on national level uh, would you like to go like you know go and attend their conference in future and i was like okay fine i'll go there till that time i i, I had no idea about kappa so it's like it's obviously an amazing idea if people can look on maybe social media facebook instagram or other social media sites or maybe google kappa's website and get to know that okay fine this is the work kappa is doing right now and this is where obviously there are a number of opportunities av- available to connect and you know to connect with their, their own student leaders and to uh, contribute more in the australian education environment yeah um now moving on to the next one the next question that i have is that kappa has obviously so many students in your in constant interaction with members of the parliaments and representing it on the national and state level um with the key stakeholders so what is one thing that you saw that was not addressed before you had come on board as you mentioned that you know the position was empty for 6 six, 6 six months before you stepped in and you've stayed on for more than um two years now so what is one thing that that was not addressed that that you would find that you, that you would say is very impactful but in march when the covid first hit um this country in particularly um we had this list of demands sent to all the universities as well as the government separately for the state governments and the federal government and from there on i think there are few benefits which have been already been given to the students um i'm talking about the international students here just specifically international students so we did had demands from the domestic students as well but that was fully separate and as you are aware that we, we we both have different sort of cohort when we speak about international and domestic and the demands are separate as well so a lot of demands i'm not saying all of demands but a lot of demands have already been accepted till now which includes giving financial uh, you know benefits to the students by the universities which you might have seen towards um, the the start of june or end of may i think where mm-hmm. universities have started giving sort of financial you know financial support packages or things like that then obviously um, if you've seen the benefits or the support coming from the state governments um let's speak about study melbourne where they have given a fixed payment to the students who haven't received payment from 
their education provider. So that was an amazing step. Uh, if you speak about the other states, like New South Wales has come, uh, like New South Wales has given uh, their own sort of accommodation crisis package where they are supporting the students uh, who don't have an accommodation in the state and who are on the verge of, you know, getting into that stage of homelessness. So it's obviously differs state by state. We haven't received anything um, from uh, the government on federal level for international students. But then again, there is a lot which we have received as compared to other countries around the world. So yeah. I, I, I am in constant touch with the, the student leaders from other countries as well, with UK, uh, from other countries of UK. Uh, Europe and then Canada and US as well. And we are, you know, not in my Kappa's role, but somewhere um, on my on a personal note, I have been in touch with all these people and just communicating with them what is going on in their country and, you know, how the situation is there in their country for the students and for the public in general, because obviously we have a lot of people living across the world. Just that we have just students studying across the world, but more of people, there are people doing jobs, there are people just going for leisure, there are people going for tourism. For my family, like we have business operating out of France and Switzerland, so it and Morocco, and so it's like you know we have people across the world, so we have to be sort of you know mindful and thoughtful of those people who whom we were connected in the last few years, or looking at the current scenario where we have everyone in the world is worried about their jobs or even their lives. I have seen a lot of people who are um, you know who got COVID positive and then obviously they they got recovered pretty. Soon and then obviously um, there are cases which were otherwise as well. So it's like you know somewhere I have felt this thing that um, there should be something done in this country as well for international students, and that's how we started campaigning. We got the things, and I'm not fully satisfied right now as well because you know there's no word as perfection. So you can do as much as you can do, but you can't be perfect at all the things. You can't be perfected the first instance. And I think there's a lot to be done in the sector as well. So looking at the current scenario, looking like looking at the right now scenario and looking at how the future holds for international students, the country is amazing. Um, the people are amazing. It's just that how your experience, your personal experience gets told in the country because sometimes people end up on the airport and they have their own bad experience at the airport itself. So yeah. it differs. I mean, a lot of people connect to this particular sentence because it's like, you know, I know people who were like, okay, fine. They got a good, amazing experience when they landed up on the airport. They had their cabs ready from the university side. They had their welcomes done by their study clusters. So that's the best part. And then there were people who were sort of the people who got into any sort of mishap within the university. So there are experiences. There are a lot of experiences individual on individual basis on and on personal basis. But it's all about the experience that matters in a different country definitely and i and i couldn't agree more to that statement like it, it's all about it varies from person to person and i it's about the individual level and how you are being entrepreneurial in this situation like for example we know a friend who started recently started her own uh, face covering mask with the car and uh, she's actually one of the podcast guests that it's about how you find positivity in a certain situation and make room for yourself Definitely. And you're an inspiration yourself. Like you're doing such an amazing work, being involved in the startup space and taking up the volunteering role and leading such a um, big organization. And I think it's so inspiring to hear from you. 
but I have this question, this burning question. That, but who inspires you and why? Well, that's that's like you know really tricky kind of question. I I did I do have one like answer for this particular question. That's my parents because they I have seen them working hard day and night right from when I got my senses or you know um, I remember kind of thing where I think um, my experiences have given me a lot of inspiration of working more on such kind of things, and then obviously my parents like I am really connected with my family. Um, it, emotionally like fully connected so it's more of like you know i have seen them working really really hard for me and for my siblings so um i really think that um i have i have a lot of people whom i am thankful for today like a lot of people who have made me what i am today um, it's great to see the work that you're doing out there in the community so massive kudos to you thank you so much shreya for inviting me to this uh, podcast it's a really amazing experience i mean i will cherish it i don't know why but it's more of like you know i have spoken something which i have might not shared in last 3 4 years only the people whom i have connected to in the like uh, school times know about such experiences no one else so yeah obviously i'm i'm really thankful for to you for connecting me to myself at this time great and and i'm quite stoked to uh, hear your experiences and i'm sure that your listeners your family your friends and you know everyone you shared with would um, enjoy it as well 